0: Welcome to Fringes of the Faith. This is the podcast where we talk about the weird stuff in the Bible and, and we tackle some of the mysterious questions that lurk out there in our universe. I'm Paul Henderson, Administrative Pastor at Capstone Church here in Fort Worth, Texas. And sitting next Hello. to me is our Senior Pastor, Parky Coburn. How are you today?
1: I'm doing good. How, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty good. Well, good. Well, I'm glad you joined us today because we're going to okay. talk about a very weird topic. In some people's minds, but there might be some very scientific explanations behind it.
1: Okay. All right.
0: So we're going to dig a little bit deeper into the field of neuropsychology
1: today. Neuropsychology.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then uh, we're also going to yeah. dig into uh, some medical issues Okay. that all surround this thing that has been labeled close encounters of the fourth. And the fifth kind do you know oh. what those
1: are close encounters of the fourth and the fifth kind uh, the
0: fourth and the fifth kind you know in season one here on fringes of the faith, Stefano
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, Lebron, our worship director and I we, yeah, we spent I some time yeah. we spent some time talking about UFOs in the Bible and we briefly touched on this whole thing about alien abductions and it was really You know, we touched a lot on the spiritual aspects of UFOs and briefly about abductions. And then it just so happens that this season, the last episode that Stefano and I revisited alien abductions and some encounters in the Bible that could technically be described as abductions. Mm -hmm. Um, So was
1: Stefano abducted?
0: I I don't know.
1: I don't know. I wondered about
0: that. I don't know. Yeah. But today... I want to talk about close encounters of the fourth and the fifth kind and bring some new information that might explain the reason behind these abduction experiences. But, you know, you brought up something a while ago. You said close encounters of the fourth and the fifth kind. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there is a numbering system to close encounters.
1: You know, I didn't know that. I knew the movie, I guess, was close encounters of what, the third kind? The,
0: The third kind, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. Well... I guess I did know that since I knew the name of the movie, but I'd, I actually didn't put all that together. That's interesting.
0: So let's talk about what they mean. Close encounters of the first kind means a visual sighting of a UAP, which is Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, which is the new word for UFO. But that sighting has to occur within less than 500 feet, and they have, and that sighting has to contain some details about what they see. So you can't just say you saw a light ball going across the sky okay. and that was a close encounter of the first kind that doesn't even qualify you have to be able to see some detail and it has to be within 500 feet so you have I to be know. close you have to be a close oh, encounter yeah yeah oh that's why they call it a close <laughs> exactly encounter. Oh, yeah but close encounter of the second kind means that a, a uap uh, has. you see a uap but then you also feel or see the physical effects of its present Such as interference with the electronics in your car or the radio, or you know, light street lights go, you know, exploding or whatever, or creating some sort of physical evidence on the ground with radiation or impressions like from ground from landing gear or you know, maybe even a an agricultural vortex loop.
1: You mean a crop circle? A crop circle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's the second kind. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, like the movie, means that humans are observing alien beings or humanoids interacting within their spacecraft, like through the window or through the little, what are those, portal holes or whatever. Yes. If they can see some beings in there, or like in the movie, the, the ship... Uh, The door opens on the ship and then you see this weird praying mantis thing coming out.
1: Yeah. Standing in with the back, backlight
0: with back. Yeah. Yeah, Backlit. backlit.
1: Really dramatic. Yeah.
0: So that's a third kind. Mm -hmm. Now the fourth kind means uh, that a UAP has abducted a a human. It's an alien abduction. That's the fourth kind. Gotcha. And then there's the fifth kind. And this one is pretty interesting to me. The fifth kind means that a person is in direct communication with an alien, usually, and to get this, usually through the channeling of the alien through a human conduit. Okay. In right. other words, maybe through a medium or right. maybe through the being itself. And we kind of refer to that in our world as possession. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense. Yes. So those yeah. are the different kinds of close encounters. But apart from all of these close encounters that have been debunked, including, I don't know if you saw this or heard about this video of this supposed alien autopsy that the government conducted and someone, you know, stole the video and it emerged years later, Mm -hmm. um, you know, including that video that have been debunked, there are actually thousands of encounters of the fourth and the fifth kind that are unexplainable.
1: Right. You hear people talking about that all the time. Some people say they've been abducted.
0: And they're, they, up to this point, they've been unexplainable. Right, exactly. People, yeah. But maybe they're not unexplainable anymore. Maybe okay. we do have some explanations here. Okay. Recently, there have been some studies regarding the experiences of people who have claimed to be abducted or contacted by aliens. So in close encounters of the fourth or the fifth kind of the thousands of claims presented psychologists are growing more and more skeptical but not necessarily because they believe that all these stories are made up or that they're false Mm -hmm. research is being conducted on several fronts that are attempting to get to the bottom of of these experiences so today we're going to touch on these theories and potentially explain this abduction phenomenon um, in a few scientific Uh, in medical uh, fields, but then also in a spiritual-related field.
1: Okay, yeah, let's do it. Does
0: that sound okay? Yeah. All right, so first, here's the first explanation. This one's the most obvious, and this is the easiest one. It's all a hoax.
1: Okay, that it's all made up.
0: It's all made up for financial gain or for some type of social elevation.
1: Right. To get attention, get your 15 minutes of fame.
0: Exactly. Here's a case in point. Remember I mentioned this autopsy video? Right,
1: the autopsy video. So in
0: 1995, there's a guy named Ray Santilli who later publicly admitted that that whole video was a hoax. He publicly admitted that it was a hoax. He did it for money. Okay. Do you remember how much attention that whole thing got? Yeah.
1: I wonder who he was performing the autopsy on, actually. It wasn't an alien.
0: Mm, no, I, had no I have no idea. mother-in-law or something. I have no idea. But, you know, these hoaxes they go farther back to 1995, though. Yeah. They go all the way back to when UFOs first started making headlines. Sure. In Roswell and then later on. So in 1953, there was this case that made the news, the national news, and I call it the Monkey Man from Mars case, and you'll know why in a minute. But there were three roommates who went to a bar in Atlanta, Georgia, and they claimed that after they left the bar, they were driving down Highway 78, and they hit something in the road and they claimed it was something from another world. And so here's how they described what they encountered. They said that after hitting this object in the road, they saw two human like creatures, but they were only a few feet tall. So they're really short. Mm-hmm. They saw them run away and what they described them as they they were running like humans, but I don't know how short they, they, I, I mean, I think, uh, but would their, be like two feet short.
1: But their gait was like a human.
0: Yeah, their gait was like a human. Yeah, they ran right. like humans. Yes. And so as they watched these short creatures, they, they saw them enter into a red spaceship that was apparently uh, landed in the middle of the highway. And once they ran into it, the spaceship turned like this color blue, and then it vanished off into the vast expanse of the universe. Hmm.
1: You say these guys had been in a bar before all this happened.
0: (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. And so here's what happened after that. They get out of the car and they go to look at what they hit. And they discovered one of these small humanoid-like creatures laying on the pavement. And they said that it looked like it was dying. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, And and they described it looking eerily human, but it was very thin and, and very small. And so, you know, what do you think they did?
1: Oh, man, sounds like a malnourished alien. I, I don't know what, did they, did they get the hospital or something?
0: No, they, they took it with them, and then they called the press. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, during that time frame, since UFOs were all over the, the headlines, they became famous overnight. Wow. Until the authorities seized the body of this so-called humanoid alien, and they discovered that it was actually a racist monkey.
1: A racist a monkey.
0: Racus. Oh, a, a rhesus monkey. A rhesus
1: monkey. Oh, I thought you said a rhesus monkey. Well, if
0: I yeah. did, I said it wrong. A okay. rhesus, well, no, that's okay. a rhesus or rhesus monkey. Yeah, who had been shaved and its tail I'm been cut not off to laugh
1: for a racist monkey. Okay, all right, folks, we're on alien abductions. Go ahead. Yes.
0: Gosh, so this rhesus, 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 like
1: rhesus. Rhesus. rhesus pieces, but
0: okay. So this rhesus pieces monkey. Yeah had been shaved and his tail had been cut off.
1: Oh, that's terrible. I know.
0: And a day later, these these roommates admitted it was all a hoax for $10. Mm-hmm. They said that they made a $10 bet between whoever that they could get their name in the paper. Well, it worked.
1: Gee, the monkey should have gotten the $10 for losing his tail. No
0: kidding. But you know, here's the rest of the story.
1: What the monkey said after they cut his tail off, so it won't be long now. No, just go ahead. <laughs> all right. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. So here's no, the I'm rest. Still thinking about the rice. Here's the rest ahead. of the story. Yeah. One of these roommates purchased the day before purchased a four pound monkey, four pounds. And now now you know how short this thing must have been.
1: Okay. Yes. For
0: fifty bucks at a, at a pet store in Atlanta. Then they bribed the cashier not to say anything. Hmm. So they went back to their apartment. They anesthetized this monkey. Oh man. And then they kill it. Oh. They bash it over the head with like yeah. something, hammer or bottle or something. And then they remove its hair, and they cut off its tail. And so they drive out to Highway 78. They put the monkey in the road, and they were waiting for enough cars to be around so they could create their scene, and they did. And uh, you know what else they did? They created a bunch of trouble for themselves because after it was found out what they did, they were in trouble with the law.
1: Well, I bet nowadays they'd be in jail for, for cruelty to a racist monkey.
0: But... You know, this This just describes the link that people will go to yeah, in order to get their names in the spotlight or to obtain some sort of financial gain. Uh-huh. They'll go to great lengths. If somebody will do that, then it's not a very far stretch to say somebody's going to make up an alien abduction story. Yeah, I know it. Right? No, okay. it's not. And, and, we, and we tend, as humans, we want to believe these stories because think of all the movies that have been made based off of these frauds. Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been a lot of abduction movies made that were based off of hoaxes that were perpetrated. Yes. Okay? All right, so explanation number one, it's all a hoax, folks, for fame or fortune. Okay, that's okay? that's
1: one explanation. That's one explanation. It's not real.
0: But let's talk about a more scientific explanation now. That one, that one is a real explanation, but it's not scientific as an explanation for why people do the things that they do other than for fame and fortune. There's some other possible explanations that psychologists have come up with to explain these types of abduction encounters. Now, several studies report that those who claim to have been abducted and they're not found out to be a fraud, it's not a hoax. So they can't prove that it was a hoax. They said that these folks that are making these claims, they really typically don't differ psychologically than other people that don't claim these things. Okay. So that makes it seem like the story is more, viable okay like like All right. like the story that they're telling is truthful yet what they're finding out is there's one prevailing characteristic that the so-called abductees demonstrate that other people don't the normal people are not normal just whatever normal is but that people that aren't experiencing these abductions they aren't experiencing abductions
1: yeah. yes
0: and that is a proclivity for fantasy okay, okay. you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah so there's psychological evidence that support the notion that fantasy-prone people engage in elaborate imaginings, and they often confuse their fantasies with reality.
1: Yeah, I, I can believe that. I've I've known people and uh, that have struggled with that, and I, when I say struggled, I just been part of their life. You know, there was even a time in my life where. Uh, uh, you know, it. Uh, I I had a lot of f- fantasizing going on in my life, mm-hmm. and and you know, and if you want to bad enough, you want to move into that world mm-hmm. and you want to live there. So I can understand yeah. that.
0: Um, yeah. So it's like someone who sometimes have memories of things that happened to them or about them, mm-hmm. but when you talk to people that were there with them during that time frame. They don't have those same memories. It's like, and I'm talking about really elaborate memories. Like I knew of a person that would describe how their car, had they got into a car wreck and it flipped many times. Well, there was a person that was there and they said that never happened. But yet this person actually believed that it did. Isn't that strange?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it happened to me on a car accident one time too. Uh, they asked me what happened after it was over. And I told them, well, that's not what happened at all. Hmm. And I I was not making a story up because I was going to get in trouble. Right. I just thought that's the way it happened.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, there, there's reasons for that. Okay. There there are reasons why your brain does that kind of stuff. Yeah. We'll talk about some of those. Um, But typically what what we've come to know people that, that their imaginings become reality before we started really delving into the psychology behind it. They used to be known as pathological liars because they would go around telling all these fantasy stories that people knew weren't true. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so we started to deem them pathological liars, but it's not that they're lying per se. It may be that they really begin believing these stories that they're telling. These types of individuals have also been linked to what's called, and I'm not talking about people that, that experience a car accident and they don't remember all the details yeah, or yeah. they remember different details. I'm talking about, this is a pattern in their life, right? This is like something that is a part of their identity.
1: Yes. They haven't necessarily been through a trauma like a car accident. Right. Right.
0: Right. But these type of individuals have been linked to what's been called non-criminal non-violent sociopathic disassociation personality disorder. Whew. Wow. That's Man. a, that's a long psychological term.
1: Yeah. Is-
0: So what is it? What's disassociation personality disorder? Well, it occurs when an individual's mental processes detach from each other and from reality, often in response to extreme or stressful life events, perceived failures of one's own life or a general desire for people's approval or admiration. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. A stressful event could be the death of a loved one that occurred when they were very young. That's stressful. Sure. Sure. Uh, It could be perceived failures from living in the shadow of a parent or a sibling or some other successful relative. Uh, A a general desire for the approval of others stems from a severe lack of self-esteem caused by identity crisis. All of those things can can play into why uh, people fantasize and then they begin to believe these fantasies, right? Mm -hmm. To escape, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. to escape their real life because they don't like their real life. They want, right. they want to have another life. Right. So psychologists have determined that fantasy mm-hmm. prone and disassociation personalities disorders and people who have claimed to be, have been abducted. Now we're getting back to the abductions, right? Okay. That those that have claimed to have been abducted have been linked to childhood trauma. You brought that up mm-hmm. traumatic event mm-hmm. that was treated through hypnosis and, and they're calling it hypnotic suggestibility.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: We'll get to what that means. So they
1: were treated with hypnosis.
0: Yes. that these, The people have this in common that have claimed to, be in, to have been abducted by aliens that they've been linked to some trauma in their childhood okay. that later on in their life was treated with hypnosis. Okay. okay. So
1: that's two things they have in common.
0: Yes. Okay. And so here's what happens. A person seeks counseling later on in life because of a relationship problem or addiction or some other behavioral symptom and during this counseling it's discovered that the person suffers from some sort of repressed memory something that happened to them that they just can't seem to remember Mm -hmm. of a traumatic event in their childhood something like sexual molestation or maybe physical abuse or being uh, locked in a closet for days on end or being chained to a refrigerator, all those horror stories that you hear mm-hmm. about, okay? And so in an attempt to bring the memory to the surface, they will undergo hypnosis. Mm-hmm. The, the people that have this in common, these right. abduction experiences, I've heard of that. okay? Now, psychologists argue that hypnosis encourages the creation and recall of detailed fantasies that have been misinterpreted as repressed or recovered memories. Does that make sense to you yet? Misinterpreted Mm -hmm.
1: as repressed memories. Yeah.
0: So the subject under hypnosis remembers the fantasies that they used at the time to detach themselves from reality. This is disassociation disorder. They use the fantasy to detach themselves from the reality of what was really happening to them. Right. Do you remember the movie Life of Pi? Yes. That's exactly what that movie is about. If you haven't seen that movie. Right. I'd I'd watch that movie if you want to know what I'm talking about here. And if
1: you don't like the movie, please send all cards and letters (laughs) to Paul Henderson, (laughs) care of fringes of the faith. Thank
0: you. (laughs) So the subject under hypnosis remembers the fantasies they used to detach from the reality of what was really happening to them. And these fantasies, such as being abducted, communication with alien captors or tours of spaceships, Going to other planets or other worlds, they surface under hypnosis and have been wrongly interpreted as recovered memories.
1: Well, you know it. It is well known, I think, in in psychological circles. I, I know enough, uh, just enough about this in my background to be dangerous. But well, you, you know, are
0: you are a counselor.
1: Well, children, uh, you know when they get involved in in abusive type situations. It's not unusual uh, for them to create some type of world to help them cope with that. Um, And then when they get to be adults, that world that they've created, or that, that mental construct that they have created to deal with that, that helped them to survive when they were kids and actually benefited them when they get to be adults, it doesn't work in the adult world anymore. Right. And so we know we know that that happens among trauma, a lot of times among abused or traumatized
0: children, so. It does, and, and that's exactly what the psychologists, these studies are bringing out now, is that a lot of the, the cases surrounding alien abduction claims, when they really dig into their uh, psychological profile, they go back and they, and they see that these adults had traumatic events happening in their childhood. And through that traumatic event, the child uh, disassociated themselves with that tra- trauma by creating fantasy worlds where they would go mm-hmm. to to help them cope with it. And then now as an adult, all these things are, are coming to the surface and they're not able to go back to that fantasy world and they're having these um, emotional issues and relationship issues, alcoholism, drug addiction, all of those addictions that come with psychological trauma if it's not dealt with. Mm-hmm. And so that's what these psychologists are, coming, are finding out.
1: You know, and when I was a child, just to give an example to people that may be listening out there, uh, I suffered with a lot of fear because of, of some trauma in my, in my young life. And I used to see things all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, the question kind of uh, comes about, you know, was I afraid because I saw things or did I see things because I was afraid Mm -hmm. and my mind created Mm -hmm. those kind of things. So that, that's not an exact correlation, but, but it kind of gives you an idea. You know, you can see how those things can happen as a, as a, uh, response to a traumatic event.
0: Yeah. And so the troubling aspect of this is that the real memories Are either continuing to be repressed due to the trauma that it causes when they try to, when they begin to remember these things, they repress them, Mm -hmm. suppress them back, or they know what really happened to them, but the weight of embarrassment or the prospect of shame or fear keeps the person from allowing them to surface in order to be healed. You know that. I mean, we Mm -hmm. encounter that all the time in the ministry.
1: Well, it's true because some people, uh, they're, they're still carrying the idea uh, inside of them somewhere that if they face the traumatic event, what I mean by that is if they look at it for what it really was and they, they let it come into their conscious mind and they begin to deal with it. A lot of people are really afraid that they're going to die. If they do that, something's Mm -hmm. going to happen to them. That's going to take over their life and it's just going to pull them. If you were, it's just like water going out of the tub and they're not going to have any control yeah over where they end up thing. so so a lot of times people fight against you know facing those actual situations that that did happen,
0: yeah, and then they become enslaved and in bondage to their traumatic memories, and the only way to be set free is to get professional counseling from legitimate sources and not look mm-hmm. for these otherworldly explanations right, and I would say, in my opinion, that this type of counseling really requires biblical counseling because repressed memories of traumatic events often cause anger and bitterness between the victim and God. Like, why did this happen to me? This is God's fault.
1: I, I agree. I mean, we see that a lot and some people are not even willing to admit that, that they really do have anger at God because they feel guilty about that. But, they, but in, in all actuality, they really do Blame yes. God for what's going on.
0: They do. And so explanation number two for uh, alien encounter or alien abduction experiences or claimed encounters is personality, dis- uh, personality disorders and suppressed traumatic events causing detachment from reality. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's explanation number two right. as to how, th- how are these encounters uh, happening. Then there's another theory growing in the neuropsychological field which has to do with brain lobe sensitivity. You may have heard of this one. Some studies suggest that people who suffer from temporal lobe sensitivity are more vulnerable to influence of low-level magnetic frequencies. Have you heard this? Yes. Uh,
1: I've seen this affect people in lots of different ways. You know, there's some people that just say, I can't live here because, you know, there's something causes my brain to buzz or something that yeah yeah i've heard i've heard of people that suffer with this
0: so michael persinger is a neuroscientist at laurentian university in canada and is among those in this field who believes that increased temporal lobe activity can result in what our culture calls paranormal experiences such as alien encounters abductions ghosts and other hallucinatory occurrences okay okay and what he says is that low level magnetic frequencies can trigger these hallucinations. Okay. Now to me, like what you just said, it would be interesting to do a study on where people live mm-hmm. that are claiming abductions or where these abductions happen, um, you know, relative to any magnetic frequencies that are operating in the area. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that would bring validity to the right. study. You would right? think so. Who right. Would think? And then, you know, you think about some of the areas on the earth that exhibit more magnetic activity than others. And some speculate that these areas in ancient times were deemed spiritual areas. And that's why we've got monuments such as Stonehenge that Mm -hmm. they built these monuments because there is this, they didn't know at the time it was low level magnetic frequencies, but that it was to them, it was something happening that was causing hallucinations. And so right. they thought, well, it must be the gods. We're gonna build a monument or, or temples, that kind of thing.
1: Right, and you know, these theories go back a long way. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, some people are out there listening laugh, but you know, there's, there's people that actually believe that there's places in the world uh, where, and times, Uh, but but especially times on the calendar but especially places in the world where uh the the layers between or the line between the seen world and the and the unseen world become very thin and Mm. you can actually pass through that portal Mm. into another another place
0: that's interesting yeah i think there's one in peru um, i cannot remember the name of it you guys are listening you, you i'm sure that you'd remember the name of it, but there is a gateway that they used to claim that they could pass through at certain times mm-hmm. and they would enter into a different realm
1: right uh i don't remember the machu name picchu
0: machu picchu yeah machu picchu, machu picchu i've machu heard picchu. of that yes yeah and then here's here's another thing this is interesting this is this has to is is interesting for us as ministers of the gospel that there have been some studies regarding the worship experience in our modern Christian churches that have suggested that the spiritual experiences encountered during worship are the result of certain low-level frequencies used in the worship music that stimulate the temporal lobe. Have you heard that one?
1: Yes. I, uh, that one's been a little more rare uh, in my experience uh, as far as people talking to me about it. But yes, I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. I definitely know in our church, we don't know what those frequencies are. So don't be afraid. We can't, we don't know how to manipulate you. So,
0: well, my wife has a term that she uses for this kind of stuff. What is it? Poppycock. Oh, poppycock. It's rubbish. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So here's explanation. Number three, temporal lobe sensitivity to low level magnetic frequencies resulting in abduction hallucinations. Okay? okay. Now let's talk about an explanation that I do think holds lots of water, and, and that is called the sleep paralysis theory. Okay. Now we've all experienced uh, this sometime in our life. I
1: know what you're talking
0: about. This yes. is a human experience that we've all had. Right. And, and what this is, sleep paralysis, is a feeling of being conscious but unable to move, which occurs when a person passes between stages of wakefulness and sleep. Mm-hmm. if you've experienced this right oh
1: lord yeah yeah almost everybody out there has
0: mm-hmm.
1: i mean if you dream at all i mean sometimes you dream and you're trying to move or get away from something or whatever and you just can't move
0: or you can't speak or you try or you to, can't you try speak. to scream and yeah, nothing comes out just can't do it yeah well people who experience this type of anomaly share characteristics of those who claim to have been abducted by aliens hmm. all right so we share some characteristics of people who claim to have been abducted. And it's explained as being half awake, half asleep, being semi-conscious. However, the body is still in sleep paralysis mode. Okay. People in this condition experience the inability to move, the feeling of dread and extreme fear, because they don't know what's happening to them. Mm -hmm. They They report a sense of another presence in the room, perhaps of an evil or a demonic force that's holding them down. Mm -hmm. I've heard of that many times Mm -hmm. they have difficulty breathing. They feel pressure on the chest and, and the sense of being trapped. They all accompany this sleep paralysis mode. And it's a common theme from those reporting the abduction experiences. So consciousness slips in and out while conscious, the person feels the effect of sleep paralysis. But when they slip back into a dream state, here's where it gets interesting. Their brain attempts to reconcile why they are feeling the way they do, and therefore will begin to offer creative explanations through vivid dreams. Mm-hmm. Now these mm-hmm. explanations are usually manifested from the sense of fear that the person feels. So of course their dreams are going to consist of things that they are afraid of, mm-hmm. such as aliens, uh, ghosts, demons, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Does that kind of make sense?
1: No, I, And if you're out there listening to this and you've had this experience, you're not alone. No. I have heard from many women that have told me that they felt like they woke up and they felt like something was laying on top of them, suffocating them. Yes. In their bed, trying to suffocate them.
0: Well, and here's the other thing that goes along with that. Sleep paralysis theory also explains the experiences of people who claim that an entity or a demon or, or a spirit sexually assaulted them as well. Mm -hmm. That's the incubus succubus syndrome that we've talked about in another Mm -hmm. podcast. And so here's how it operates. If sexual assault is a dominating subconscious fear, then it's this fear that drives the mind to explain what's happening during sleep paralysis. And the result is, they believe they, that there must be a ghost or a demon or an evil force doing this to them.
1: I also think it could be a response, and this is just Parkey's thought process, but I think it could also be a response to, by people who have been sexually assaulted. And the Absolutely. fact that when they're, when they're in a dream state or a restful state or in that wakeful that place between wake, wakefulness and, and dreaming, sleep, that that memory of being trapped confined, controlled uh comes up to them and and right. and they feel that i mean it comes up through the subconscious mm-hmm. uh in the dream state because mm-hmm. it's not being suppressed
0: right, yes, that makes sense because that would be a form of p t s d that is mm-hmm. is playing out in the subconscious yeah. mind
1: yeah I, i'm not I'm not a psychologist, but yeah, it's like p t s d for sure
0: mm-hmm And so it's kind of the same with the fear of being abducted by aliens. And I had this experience when I was 10. I had watched Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Okay. Okay. And so my biggest fear at that time was being abducted, taken out of my bedroom into an alien spaceship. Wow. And have all kinds of weird things happen to you. And so since that was my biggest fear, then my mind, when I went into sleep paralysis would convince me my consciousness, that that's exactly what was happening. And so I would begin to have vivid dreams Mm -hmm. that that's what was happening. Mm -hmm. But then you'd wake up and you'd be safe and sound in your bed. Now that Mm -hmm. is the classic alien abduction story. Yeah. Fear
1: and unhealed trauma Mm -hmm. operating in the subconscious, uh, still alive and operating in the subconscious creates scenarios to reinforce uh, that reality to us
0: and here's the thing just like you and just like millions of other people in our generation they experience trauma in their childhood Mm -hmm. and so it's this trauma that had been suppressed or repressed that that plays itself out in the fears that we have And so when we're under sleep paralysis, it's these fears that creates these vivid uh, experiences in our minds that, that we, if we're not careful, we'll believe that it really happened. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, because it did happen.
0: Mm -hmm. Now,
1: when I say it did happen, it happened in your mind. Exactly. And so sometimes it's very difficult to tell the difference and, and sometimes it doesn't really matter to us. I guess I'm trying to say, you know, whether it really happened in, in, the, reali- in the field of reality or it, it happened in our mind. But, uh, you know, because it's real to us nonetheless. Uh, and some people have a very difficult time dif- differentiating between the two.
0: Especially if they, if they have a proclivity for fantasy. Right. Or so, if they
1: maybe if their trauma has been so severe yeah. as well. They just feel so unsafe. Mm-hmm that their mind just opens up to possibilities that really are not practical, that are not practically going to happen to them.
0: So explanation number four, sleep paralysis and the mind's creation of potential explanations using a person's subconscious fears that play out in their dreams. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now there's a new theory emerging in the medical field. And this one is actually gaining a lot of ground and it's known as accidental awareness. And it's a very fascinating theory. And, you know, one of the original UFO abduction stories occurred in 1961 with a couple named Betty and Barney Hill. Now, it's, it's very famous. It's a famous story, abduction story. They claim to have been abducted by aliens and taken on board a spaceship where aliens conducted medical experiences on them. And let me read you an excerpt from Betty's account written in the 1966 bestseller novel, The Interrupted Journey. Here it is, quote. So then they, I'm inserting the aliens, roll me over on my back and the examiner has a long needle in his hand. I see the needle and it's bigger than any needle that I've ever seen End quote. So the book interrupt the journey details the events that Betty and her husband Barney experienced as described under hypnosis. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Her story includes descriptions of medical nude exams and invasive probing. It's like stuff that you see on X files, right mm-hmm. out of X files mm-hmm. in 2008. David B. Forrest, a psychoanalyst out of Columbia University, published a paper titled Alien Abduction, a Medical Hypothesis. And he suggested that what is known as accidental awareness under general anesthesia is a potential explanation behind these alien abduction stories. He says that what abductees might be experiencing is partially being awake during a medical procedure that they've been given general anesthesia. Mm -hmm. which of course means you're totally supposed to be asleep during this operation. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So they wake up in the middle of an operation. It's called accidental awareness. Ooh, not good. And it seems closely related to the sleep paralysis theory in a way, because if someone wakes up during a surgery, but their body remains in an anesthetic paralysis state, it only makes sense that the person's brain would attempt to explain what's happening. Just like in sleep paralysis, only this is anesthetic paralysis. And then we land on, okay, so what's the person's biggest subconscious fear? Or have they had trauma undealt with in their childhood that is coming out? In Betty's case, it appears her biggest fear was alien abduction.
1: Yeah, or maybe she had a tremendous fear of medical procedures. It, it could. And, and, you know, and so her mind turned that. A little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: Well, in, in 1953, if you recall, UFOs were in the headlines all the time. It was huge back Mm -hmm. then. You just had Roswell, not too many years before. And so this makes sense because the common thread between alien abduction stories and accidental awareness stories are the descriptions of lying on a table under a bright light with shadows moving about sometimes a greenish figure which could be medical staff wearing green surgical scrubs would appear looking over the person as they held instruments up in their hands. Mm-hmm. See, to me that, that sounds like a, a, an actual theory that should gain ground because it, it makes a lot of sense to me. And it's Occam's razor. If you think about it, it's the simplest explanation is the explanation for those kind of experiences. Betty Hill's husband Barney described the same experience to his psychiatrist while under hypnosis. He said, he told the aliens, I don't want to be operated on. And then he went on to describe how professional these alien doctors were and how determined they were to, uh, to, to complete what it is that they set out to do. Mm-hmm. So in support of this theory of accidental awareness, the Royal college of anesthetists recently released the largest collection of data on this, on this occurrence, uh, awareness during general anesthesia first attracted interest in the 1990s. There was a patient named Carol Weaver who publicized her own awareness experience. And you can learn more about accidental awareness just by searching it on the web. And I think you'll find it's pretty interesting. So let's assume Barney Hill and Betty, they weren't actually brought aboard a spaceship on the night that they claim in 1961. He may have experienced a flashback to his tonsillectomy procedure, which later came out that it would resemble that experience almost exactly.
1: You know, I know somebody out there is probably saying, oh, come on, you know, I mean, the guy's out. Well, we already have medical evidence that shows that when somebody is placed in a medically induced coma, there are certain patients and there are, uh, that can have awareness or at least partial awareness of what's going on around them, mm-hmm. even though they cannot respond, they mm-hmm. cannot answer, mm-hmm. okay? I've actually had a person uh, that was in a medically induced coma that I visited, and I was talking to someone else in the room. They could not respond, on the, of course, because they were mm-hmm. out, mm-hmm. but I talked to someone else in the room, and after they came out of that coma, they they told me snippets of what we had talked about. They had heard it, but they just couldn't respond.
0: Yeah. So, accidental awareness is a very traumatic experience, and because you're, you're you wake up, you're not a, you're not able to move, you're not able to speak, and you have the effects of anesthesia, including drowsiness and disorientation. As a matter of fact, the Royal College report on accidental awareness stated that over forty percent of the patients studied experienced moderate to severe psychological harm, including PTSD, mm. because of it. And so when you look back at the personality disorders caused by traumatic influences on alien abductees we see this pattern re-emerge where the mind experiences something so traumatic that it can't comprehend reality it goes into fantasy mode and then the person is unable to remember the traumatic event this same could be said for accidental awareness because the person undergoing the surgical procedure that wakes up during and experiences anesthetic paralysis is traumatized as reported by the Royal college to the point of the mind attempting to provide this explanation through fantasy and then shutting down, protecting itself from permanent psychological damage only to have this traumatic event reemerge later with limited memories. These limited memories combined with hypnotic suggestiveness. Remember, the majority of these cases that they're studying, they underwent hypnosis. Right. Okay. So these limited memories combined with hypnotic suggestiveness can result in the person reverting to this vague image or these vague images that they experienced. And with the right leading, and this is important, Mm -hmm. with the right leading on the part of a ufologist hypnotist, they can provide detailed descriptions of little green humanoids probing and prodding their bodies inside a spaceship. So in other words, these traumatic experiences were suppressed at the time of the occurrence. That suppression includes going into fantasy mode. That suppression would certainly include vague memories of something happening to them on an operating table that they can't reconcile in their mind. Either way, their reality is altered and completely suppressed, resulting in what psychologists and psychiatrists are calling trauma memory. Mm -hmm. This is a real thing. And so this suppressed trauma memory manifests itself later on in life in emotional and psychological discomfort, necessitating the need for counseling. In an attempt to recover these suppressed memories, a person may only be recovering what their minds invented at the time of the trauma, which would be an altered version of reality. I know that's a lot to, to process.
1: Well, it, it, it is. You know, and somebody, some of the people need to study this out on their own. Mm-hmm. But but one of the things that we're trying to, to potentially uh, bring to you and, and hopefully will bring to you is some, is some maybe hope in your situation, uh, that, that in, you know, instead of, uh, believing that something way beyond your control happened, that maybe there's a pathway, uh, that explains what's going on and, and and maybe even a pathway to healing and deliverance from it. And you don't have to stay trapped,
0: you know, in this, in this traumatic event. And, and And the hope and the goal the whole goal and objective of, of this particular podcast on this uh these experiences is exactly that because if if you are having these experiences or you know someone that's having these experiences, there is help mm-hmm. there really is yeah there is and and that's what we want, uh, but you're not going to know that that's what this is if if no one brings it to light
1: right and it, and just think about it. if you really have thought that you were encountered an alien or, or had some form of contact with aliens, you know, that that's going to change the way you live mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways. And uh, I would just say uh, that it's going to uh, affect you in a way that will change and alter your destiny. And so, you know, uh, since that is not the normative pattern, mm-hmm, And please don't think that I think anything's wrong with you. I've experienced my own trauma myself, but since that's not the normative pattern of human experience, in other words, you know, Mm -hmm. we're not all of us encountering aliens, Mm -hmm. uh, then hopefully, you know, it can, it can provide a pathway for you to, to realize that you haven't had something happen to you that no one else hardly has had happen because when you, when you believe that you've had something happen to you, that's absolutely unique, mm-hmm. then, uh, there are bondage, uh, factors that, that come into that and that play into that, that, uh, if, if something's happened to you, it's never happened to anybody else, then there's really no answer for it. Mm-hmm. you right. see what I'm saying? Whatever's mm-hmm. happened. So,
0: so explanation number five repressed traumatic memories of a surgical procedure interpreted by the brain as an alien abduction because of accidental awareness or waking up during surgery. That's the theory uh, of accidental awareness. And finally, here's the last explanation, which I'm happy that we're here now mm-hmm. since we've gone, we take a long road down the psychological trip. Yes,
1: doctor. We have
0: <laughs> Dr. Howard, Dr. Fine, Dr. Howard. <laughs> uh, the Ooh. last explanation is an alien abduction really happened sort of sort of sort of and this is where we introduce the spiritual components of these encounters now we talked in season one about the ability of dark spiritual forces being able to influence the mind and the minds of human species Mm -hmm. and we can point to jesus in the wilderness where he was tempted by these dark spiritual forces to see how powerful they can be Mm -hmm. notice i said how powerful they can be not how powerful they really are right and this is important because these dark spiritual forces referred to in Christendom as demonic forces only have power that we give them or that we allow. Mm-hmm. Makes mm-hmm. sense? Yes. I know it does to you. You, you mm-hmm. preach on this. Yes. Right? You preach mm-hmm. about the authority. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes,
1: we do. Uh, when you're dealing with demonic forces, you're dealing, uh, first of all, with something that has more power uh, in its makeup than you do. Secondly, you're dealing with something that has more experience than you have. Mm-hmm. Something that has lived for eons. For eons. Yeah. And and so, uh, you know, you're at a disadvantage when you're dealing with those things without uh, authority and
0: power. That's right. And so in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, we read that after the baptism of Jesus, he left the Jordan River full of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. We know that. Okay? Yes. And it says Jesus was then led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. And this tells us that Jesus was intentionally led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Mm -hmm. So what this says is Jesus as Lord allowed the adversary to tempt him because if Jesus as Lord didn't want, I mean, if he didn't have a purpose for this, if there wasn't a purpose in him being tempted, then he could have easily skipped this whole thing. It wouldn't have been recorded in the Bible and the gospels, and it wouldn't have been an issue. But there's a reason and a purpose that he was tempted in the desert. Um, because Jesus as Lord invited the devil per se. He gave the devil permission to give give it his best shot at attempt, at tempting Jesus as a human. And we know why he did that, don't
1: we? Well, yeah, I think he did that uh Because first of all, uh, he came into the world to defeat these powers. Right. And so there had to be a a showdown with them. We're not saying you knew to invite temptation by the devil. That's not what the, what we're saying to you at all. Uh, because the, the enemy knew who Jesus was. And so he came after him anyway, but uh, but you know he he had to defeat these forces mm-hmm. so that we could experience the victory exactly. over them. see he won that victory
0: over them so you can have it that 's right mm-hmm. and and it's important because when you link this to alien abduction experiences or reported cases of of encounters of the fourth and the fifth kind that were not related to a hoax that are not personality disorders mm-hmm. that it's not accidental awareness and it's not sleep. Paralysis. Mm-hmm. It, the majority of these cases, the victims admitted to at some point in their lives experimenting with some type of occult activity. There is a connection here mm-hmm. with the occult and these experiences.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, you can be living in this world and 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 encounter a, a, an evil force, and sometimes you may not know exactly why, exactly why you did that or exactly anything that you did. But you know what, if you've got doors open in your life, and that's what we're going to talk about here for just a few minutes, you want to get them closed. Mm -hmm. Because if you have some doors open, the enemy will exploit those doors if he can.
0: Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Um, And the majority of the people that that, you know, were, were honest and upfront about their experiences in the occult, they didn't even realize that they were opening these spiritual doorways uh, because there are some very subtle ways that this can happen that a lot of people, believers, don't know.
1: Some people think these are innocent things. Mm, they do. And they get involved with them not knowing uh, what can happen through these things.
0: Yeah, we're not talking about open and overt occultic stuff like witchcraft or Wicca or earth worship. We're not talking about that kind Human of stuff. Human sacrifice yeah, we're or not anything talking about like that. that. But there are subtle doors that can go back to our childhood, such as playing games like Bloody Mary. Do you remember that game? Mm-hmm. Okay. Or messing around with a Ouija board or attempting to contact the dead or attending seances mm-hmm. or maybe being interested in palm readings or tarot card readings and horoscopes or even watching horror movies.
1: Yeah, and we're not saying if you watched a horror movie, you're going to have a visitation by no, a demon but, I, but if you what what we 're trying to say here is if you compound fear in your life, if you compound it and you compound it and you compound it to the place that it becomes uh, a part of your operational uh life, how you know it, it, it gets to the place where it's affecting you, then fear can be a door that's right
0: itself that the enemy can use exactly to attack right. you yeah. and and that fear makes your um, that fear can make your emotional and your mental health vulnerable as well. Oh, sure. Sure. It can. And over time, if you, if you keep compounding fear upon fear through movies or these other types of subtle doors that can be opened, eventually your faith will be compromised Mm -hmm. if you don't have a strong enough relationship with the Lord.
1: Yeah. I, I, you say, Oh, I don't believe that. Well, you know, the more, They used to have an old saying. Let me say it this way. They used to say garbage in, garbage out. Okay, what you put in your life is what you're going to get out of your life. And, you know, that makes sense, guys, when you really think about that. All right, that if you're going to bombard your life uh, with a certain way of thinking or a certain view you know, I'm not safe. Evil always comes after me, no matter what I try to do, no matter what I try to do to protect myself. You're never safe. You know, if you keep bombarding yourself with those type of messages then they're going to take root Mm -hmm. in some form or fashion in your life.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, when your emotional and your mental health becomes vulnerable and now maybe your faith becomes compromised, it's at this point that the doors to these dark spiritual forces, they swing wide open and and then you'll begin to encounter these forces. A lot of times it happens in your sleep. Yeah. And and sometimes
1: it happens in waking hours. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people have even had those encounters when they're awake
0: Mm -hmm. and you say, well, how do you know all this? Well, I can tell you from my own experiences Mm -hmm. that that has happened. It Mm -hmm. happened to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the spiritual forces are powerful very powerful when you let them in when you allow them and you give them authority over you they're very powerful extremely powerful remember how the devil tempted jesus
1: mm-hmm.
0: it says in luke 4 chapter 4 verse 5 so he satan took him jesus up and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time mm-hmm. so the adversary apparently was able to take jesus up and the greek word used here is anago, and it means to mm-hmm. launch upward.
1: Yeah, There's in that same passage of scripture, there's another one that's always been very interesting to me. Uh, Satan took Jesus to the top of the temple.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, uh, so what we're trying to say here is in the spirit world, these type of abductions or, or transportations or things like that do happen. Mm-hmm. They do happen at times. hmm I mean, uh, you—the Bible tells us about I- instances of them, uh, and so uh, we have to be aware of that. Yeah, because the spiritual forces are real.
0: Right, and so when you think about Jesus, you know, he—the adversary launches Jesus upward in this instance, and he launches him into looks like another period of time, presumably the future. Yeah, I mean. You kind of have to be somewhat powerful to be able to do that. Yeah. Okay. And then you say, well, did this happen for real? Or was it a possible vision or hallucination? I've heard the argument that Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days without food. And this could cause some significant effects on his mental capacities. But that really doesn't matter because what we're told is that the devil did this. Mm -hmm. So whether he did it physically or through the manipulation of reality in the spiritual realm, the point is he... The adversary, this dark spiritual force, was able to do it. And if the devil was able to do this with the Lord because the Lord allowed it to occur, then believe me, he can do this with anyone, non-believers and believers alike, who allow or they give these dark spiritual forces permission to operate in their lives.
1: You know, I I believe that every temptation has to have a real aspect to it, or, or it's just you know you have to have a decision to make Mm -hmm. and a temptation and if you know if the enemy said jump off the temple you'll die well then it makes you wonder hey was that a real transportation i mean did were they really transported you know Mm -hmm. to this place Mm -hmm.
0: and i don't think it's a coincidence that those who describe a bona fide abduction experience meaning it's not a hoax it's not personality disorders there's no trauma in their background i believe that that um, that at some point they have given permission in their life for dark spiritual forces to operate in or around them. And, and another interesting aspect is that of those who have had these abduction experiences, who were somewhat believers in Christ, meaning that mm-hmm. they believed, but they were still operating in this, these dark spiritual places, or they were allowing these doors to remain open, they were able, this is by their own account, they were able to thwart these encounters by invoking the name of Jesus. I think that's interesting.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, we're also, I'm not saying anyway for sure, that you have to be dabbling in the occult to have an experience with a, with a demonic spirit. I mean, you may be doing everything right. You may be moving in, in God. And I think sometimes the enemy can, can try to appear to you to scare you. Now, you have to remember that if you're a believer in the Lord, your, lives, your life's being directed by God,
0: That's and just
1: right. as Satan had to have some form of, it had to be a part of God's plan for him to tip Jesus mm-hmm. in the wilderness, mm-hmm. then you have to remember that God's in control of your life, and, right. and if you're a believer in Jesus, you don't have any reason to be afraid or to succumb to any type of experience you have with a dark or evil force. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so the explanation for the unexplainable alien abductions that we used to hear about or read about, um, the unexplainable ones to me, this is the explanation that it was a spiritual encounter happened with a dark spiritual Mm -hmm. force. Um, but notice something here. We don't hear much about these anymore. Do we like alien abductions? I mean, they're not, they're not, no, We just don't hear about them. Not as much as we did. And I think that's because people are waking up to the fact that these so-called aliens are actual spiritual entities. uh, And so abduction stories have exponentially decreased. And maybe that's because no one is making blockbuster UFO movies anymore about alien abductions. Maybe people who are looking for fame and fortune, they've turned to TikTok and Instagram instead of alien abduction stories. I don't know. It seems like to me, it's a combination of all these things, but you know, and I know that there's a day coming the closer that we draw to the return of Christ, that these dark spiritual forces will begin to operate in the open. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if we have any open doors to dark spiritual places, and I mean, any, even if they're only cracked a little, you said it earlier, they will take advantage and they will begin manifesting themselves in our lives if we have any of those doors open. So how important is it to close those doors?
1: I also believe that, that what's happening a lot now is people, and, and okay, just think about what I'm saying and don't immediately get mad and discount it, but people are doing a lot of open myself up activities now mm-hmm. that, that aren't necessarily based in scripture in seeking God in a scriptural way. Do you Mm -hmm. understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm going into deep meditation. I'm going into, uh, to open my, with the effort to open myself up to something to speak to me or to reveal itself to Mm -hmm. me. And and through many of these activities, I think, you know, sometimes I think the enemy may try to exploit some of those things.
0: And and something, there's a couple of things that are, that are really reemerging and I say reemerging because they're, they're ancient, but, Chakras, that's that deep meditation, um, and then there are these uh, crystals. I mean, we talked about that on a podcast. Crystals and the New Age, you know, Eastern religious stuff is, is starting to infiltrate itself once again. So there are those things that seem innocuous, but they are actually doorways that are being opened. So. Explanation number six, these encounters are real between people who have had given permission for dark spiritual forces to operate in and around them. However, these are spiritual encounters occurring in the mind and not actual physical alien abductions for people that are claiming alien abductions. You see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, and we're not saying that's what's happening in every incident. Remember, there were several possibilities. Right. right. But mm-hmm. but that could be it. That could be a, one possibility.
0: Right, and we know, we know that the mind, these things occur in the mind, that the mind is the battlefield between good and evil. That's it's the mind that the adversary lurks about looking for opportunities to attack you in. That's his number one place that he attacks is the mind. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yes, it's true. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope it's been interesting. It's been interesting for sure and informative. So thank you Pastor Parky for talking about this weird, wacky, wild kind of cringy stuff. And when we say that,
1: please we're not putting anybody oh, down. No, no, no. Their experiences are real to us. They seem very very real to us and they are real and we're just exploring possible solutions and uh, to those experiences. Yes.
0: That's exactly right. Yeah. We're not demeaning or belittling anyone's experience. Right. This is just some of the weird stuff that you wouldn't expect to hear on a on a biblical podcast. Well,
1: and because, yes, and because of shame, lots of people don't, don't feel like talking about these experiences, although they have
0: had them. That's right. And if that's you, if you've had these experiences and you don't know who to talk to or where to turn, and, and so we encourage you to, if you have a church, go to your local pastor, talk to them. Uh, you can email us at info at capstone.church, and we'll pray with you. We, we counsel with you as much as we can. Um, but it's important that if you are having these experiences or you've had these in the past and there haven't been dealt with that, that you get, that you get, get them dealt with, um, for your own mental, emotional health. All right. Well, thank you for listening on your favorite podcast platform or watching on YouTube. And if you like what you're hearing, please click that like button, share it and subscribe. Well, that's it. We hope to, uh, Get to come back here to the Table of Fringe uh, for uh, another episode.
1: Yes, we do. All right. We'll be seeing you then. Yeah, well,
0: God bless you. Remember to stay in the Word, stay alert, and be not D.C. God bless you.